Recording in progress. Hey, what's up, good people? Listen, you already know what day it is. It is Tuesday. Happy Tuesday. Listen, it's TNL time. I uh, I want us just to jump right on in today. Listen, I'm glad that you're here. I really, really hope that your week has been blessed so far. I hope that you're feeling productive. I hope that you're getting some things done. I hope that God is still speaking to you, even in the midst of moments where you're feeling stuck, where you're feeling stalled, where you're feeling stagnant, because that is exactly what this TNL series will be about. That's what we'll be discussing over the next couple of weeks. If you were Remember last week we dived in, we jumped in and we began discussing how detours, moments in our lives where we feel stuck is a detour, moment in our moments in our lives where we feel stalled and stagnant. Those are all detours, but fret not. Because detours Moments of being stuck, stalled, and stagnant are God-ordained. And uh, we we wrapped a little bit about um, last week about how those things in, in our lives that we consider to be interruptions, moments where we're heading one way, um, and somehow we begin taking a little bit of a left turn or we pass our exit or we are experiencing a detour or a delay. What we talked about last week was how sometimes those things can be motivators to get us to the place that we really are intended and purpose and destined to be. So I'm so glad that you're here. So glad that you're hanging out with me. Sometimes God will take us, though, in the direction of a roundabout. Have you ever experienced a roundabout where you've been headed one way only to kind of be confronted by a way that you really weren't expecting and then you've got to go the long way? You ever had to had to go the long way home? That's that's the roundabout. So so again, though, detours, though, are divine. That is what we figured out. That is what we discussed. That is what we discovered last week. And so what it means to be stalled, what it means to be stuck, what it means to be stagnant, it really just means that there is something going on in our lives that is under construction. Beverly, you've been driving and you've been faced with that. There's something that lies ahead that is, is in the works and it's under construction. So I want us to continue the conversation tonight as we continue on this idea of what it means to be stuck, what it means to be stalled, what it means to feel stagnant. Listen, I don't want to waste your time tonight, so let's jump right in tonight. Again, I'm glad that you're here. A great big God bless you to everyone that will catch this, everyone that will watch this, everyone that will, I pray, be blessed by this. I pray that God will bless our time together. I pray that you leave tonight you leave hearing something, feeling something, being inspired, something being awakened and resonated in you that while you are feeling stuck, while you are feeling stalled, while you are feeling stagnant, God is doing something in and through that. Maybe you aren't where you thought you would be yet. Maybe you're still dealing with the thing that you're still having to deal with that you thought you would have already overcome it by now, but God is doing something in and through that. Which brings me to this first thought that I want to bring tonight. Night is oftentimes we are under this idea, this expectation that many of us suffer for doing what is wrong. We know all about karma. We know all about what goes around, comes around. The Bible is really, really clear that what it is that a man or woman sows, that shall they reap. Here it is, though. We often think that we expect the expectation, hear me, the expectation is that we will suffer for doing what is wrong. But have you ever considered that there are times in our lives where we will suffer for doing what is right? Yes. Let that just marinate just for a minute, that there are times where we will suffer 
for doing what is right. There's a story that I really want to share tonight, and I really want to use this story as the, I guess, as the backdrop for our conversation tonight, especially as it relates to suffering for what is doing, for doing what is right. If you ever remember the story, there's a story of a man in the Bible named Joseph. We find this story somewhere around uh, in the book of the beginnings in Genesis around chapter 39 specifically. And Joseph had a really, really special job. I'm not going to bore you with reading the text, but I am going to share it right here at the bottom of the screen right now, somewhere around Genesis chapter 39, verses 6 through 10. And uh, Joseph now is a great man. Joseph has gone through a lot. And maybe, maybe hear me, hear me, because you may be able to identify with some things that are going on in Joseph's life that may also resonate with your own as well. Joseph was was a was a man who had worked and had a had a pretty decent job. He had worked in this house of a man named Potiphar. Potiphar was really well off, and uh, Joseph had been so faithful to Potiphar that. Uh, Joseph had earned Potiphar's trust, so much so that Joseph ran everything in Potiphar's estate. Everything that Joseph owned, everything that Potiphar owned went through the hands of Joseph. And uh, one day, Potiphar's wife noticed how fine Joseph was. He was a, he was a fine, good-looking brother. And Potiphar's wife who is married to Potiphar, takes notice of Joseph, and she begins to make these advances to him. Day after day, she's trying to entice and seduce Joseph into this sexual encounter. And Joseph, though, was wise enough and obedient enough to continue to, 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 to you know, he, he, he's, he's missing them. He's missing the dodges. Every time that Potiphar's wife is trying to uh, trying to trying to trying to trying to sleep with with Joseph, and from the perspective of God, what Joseph did was right by ignoring those advances. I, I want you to stay with me though, because from the perspective of man, it was not the best decision for Joseph to ignore Potiphar's wife's advances. Um, because from a worldly perspective, from a man-made perspective, ignoring Potiphar's wife's advances landed Joseph in a really, really bad situation. In fact, ignoring those advances and not falling into lust or temptation with Potiphar's wife, it landed Joseph in jail. Not for something that he did do, but it landed Joseph in jail for something that he did not do. For when Joseph began to ignore the advances of Potiphar's wife, Potiphar's wife then began to malign herself, began to make ill claims flat out. Can I make it plain? She just started lying. Chick just started making up stuff, said that Joseph had touched her inappropriately. In fact, said that Joseph had raped her when really Joseph really wasn't even thinking about her. Uh, Joseph was doing everything that he could to resist her. And that that made Potiphar's wife feel away so much so that she wanted to lie and say that Joseph was inappropriate and had done some things with her um, that made her feel away. In fact, had accused Joseph of rape. Have you, um, have you ever found yourself feeling like Joseph, where you've been accused of some things that you didn't do? Have you ever felt like Joseph, where even what you didn't do landed you in a place that you never should have been in the first place? Yeah, see, Joseph wound up in jail, sitting in jail for something that he did not 
do. What do you do, though, when you find yourself feeling like Joseph, where you are struggling and suffering from a decision that you made, even when the decision that you made was in obedience to God? Here, Joseph is now had resisted temptation, had warded off all of the darts and the schemes of Potiphar's wife and never fell into uh, sexual temptation with Potiphar's wife. But even though he resisted temptation and was obedient to God, his obedience to God still landed him in prison for something that he did not do. I want you to know tonight that oftentimes where we are dealing with a decision uh, that we've made when we know that we've made the right decision, the enemy will sometimes creep in. The enemy of our mind, the enemy of our thoughts will creep in and will have us thinking that maybe we really should have did it the way that the world would have done it. Maybe we really should handle things the way that our flesh really wants to handle them. But what I want you to know tonight is that when things are coming upon us, it oftentimes when you, for the people of God, isn't for what you have done wrong. You could be be feeling the persecution. You could be feeling the struggle. You could be feeling a spirit of suffrage, not for what you've done wrong, but simply because of what you are doing right. Whenever we feel stuck, whenever we feel stalled, whenever we feel stagnant, I want you to know tonight that that is exactly where God wants and needs you to be. In other words, where you are feeling a little bit of suffering, when you're feeling like you're struggling with something, when you know that you are following the will and in the will of God, following the path of God, following the voice of God, I want you to know that you are in a really good spot. In fact, you're feeling, you're feeling the feeling of being stalled. You're feeling the feeling of being stuck. You're feeling the, the feeling of being stagnant. In other words, you have now been, you're, you're on a, you're on a roundabout. You, you have now encountered a detour. You encountered you encountered a detour. But but what's so interesting is that if we look a little bit more closely to this biblical account of Joseph and, and Potiphar's wife, uh, it clearly tells us that Joseph um, had refused Potiphar's wife's advances simply because of his obedience to God. Uh, the Bible, in fact, puts it in Genesis chapter 39, uh, verses 8 through 9, that it says, Behold, uh, my master has entrusted me with everything in this house. My master has put me in charge of everything, is what Joseph begins to say. Uh, and there's no one in the house greater than I, says Joseph. Uh, Joseph goes on to say in Genesis 39 that, uh, that Potiphar has given me charge over everything in this house except you. Joseph somehow understood now that uh, he had reached this point in his life uh, where God had begun to bless him. And this wasn't the first time, though, that Joseph had found himself going from a high place to a low place. This wasn't his first encounter. But but what, one of the things that we often glance over in this story, let me let me stay on let me stay on track here. One of the things that we often glance over here in this story that that I never really hear a lot about. Uh, is the discussion is we're never actually told uh, about Joseph's temptation. Here it is now. Joseph's response, though, in Genesis 39 gives us a little bit of inclination. Joseph says, I'm going to repeat it again. He says that, listen, I have charge over everything in this house except you. 
Joseph, Joseph never said, um, listen, I, um, I, my, my flesh don't want you. Joseph never said, um, I'm not struggling with resisting the temptation of you. Uh, it, 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 it could be said now, I guess is my point now that Potiphar's wife could have been attractive. Potiphar's wife could have been just as fine as Joseph, just built a little bit different. But Potiphar's, uh, but Potiphar's wife uh, wanted to dive into that temptation. But Joseph had enough wisdom. Joseph had enough sense. Joseph had enough understanding, enough anointing on his life that he understood that, listen, I can't submit to what my flesh wants to do. I've got to be wise and strong enough now to resist temptation. In other words, Joseph may have felt something for Potiphar's wife. The, the text doesn't tell us that. This is Bible study, right? We, we can go ahead and talk about what's in the Bible. Uh, it, it doesn't tell us whether or not Joseph really felt something for her. All we know is that Joseph had enough sense to not cross that line and take that next step. In other words, I can hear Joseph right now kind of paraphrasing, saying, listen, I want to, but I can't. Have you ever, have you ever, have you ever suffered for the right thing, for doing what is right, even when you knew you could have done what was wrong? I, I want to do what's wrong, but I can't. I want to, I want to talk to you crazy, but I can't. I want to, I want to cuss you out, but I can't. I want to fight, but I can't. I want to, I want to, I want to, I want to mismanage some stuff, but I can't. I want to do the wrong thing, but I can't. I want to neglect some stuff, but I can't. I want to give up on some stuff, but I can't. I want to throw in the towel but I can't. I want to give up on myself, but I can't. I want to give up on my life, but I can't. I want to give up on my kids, but I can't. I want to stop going to church, but I can't. I want to stop serving, but I can't. I want to stop loving, but I can't. Have you ever found yourself in a place where you have been trying to do what is right, but you are looking up and you're finding yourself in a situation where your back is up against the wall, where you could have done what was wrong, but, but I can't. Joseph, Love God enough. Joseph respected his anointing in himself enough not to fall into what would have been a huge, huge mistake. But he but he trusted God, even resisting temptation, doing what he could do, knowing, though, that he couldn't. And and so what what that leads me to and what that next thought that it brings me to, although Joseph now finds himself in jail suffering for something that he really did not do, there was a tremendous sacrifice for Joseph to not give in to perhaps what his flesh wanted to do. I, I'm, I'm of the belief that Joseph probably did in some way, um, you know, kind of peep out the corner of his eye like, listen, Potiphar's wife got a nice little shape. She got a nice little body. She coming smelling good. Coming and looking good, hair all flowing, and a hair out of place. Listen, everything is everything is intact. But but Joseph knew that there was something more at stake here, and so Joseph made the decision now to suffer in jail for doing what was right, rather than maligning himself with with wrong behavior and doing what is wrong. For Joseph, what 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 came with doing what was right is a word that we really don't like to use a lot, and that word is called sacrifice. What we know is that about what we know about a sacrifice is that sacrifice really isn't a sacrifice unless it costs you something. It really isn't a sacrifice unless it's something that you're having to give up, unless it's something that you're having to give into, unless it's something that you're having to do. It's not a sacrifice. If it's not an inconvenience, it's not a sacrifice. 
if it doesn't cost you something. And I'm not talking about the kind of cost that money can buy. Some things are a monetary sacrifice, but I'm talking about the kind of sacrifice, um, sacrificing your time, sacrificing your treasure, sacrificing what you love most, sacrificing the things that you love to do most for something else. Joseph was willing to sacrifice. And I want you to know that a temptation isn't tempting unless it is a temptation. Let me let me reword that. I feel like that was that was a bit that was a bit wordy there. Uh, a temptation isn't a temptation unless it's tempting. So a sacrifice isn't a sacrifice unless it costs you something. However, a temptation isn't a temptation unless it's tempting. I need you to know tonight that, listen, God isn't going to confront you with, with stuff that you can easily resist. God, the enemy will confront you. God will even allow you to be tempted with the very things that will look like what you like. It will smell the way you need it to smell. It will have the scent. It will pass the scent test. It will pass the sight test. It will pass the speech test. It will pass all of those tests because that is what a temptation is. You will never be tempted with something that just ain't your flavor of the day. When temptation falls on you, temptation will come in the very with with the with the allure and the disguise of the very things that you want, desire, and crave the most? Are you willing to sacrifice those things that tempt you the most? Maybe that's food. Maybe that's sex. Maybe that's money. Maybe that's people. Maybe that's codependency. Maybe that is the approval of others. I don't know what your temptation is, but what are you willing to sacrifice for? For something greater for something that is right, rather than giving into the thing that that really may be may be wrong. So when we when we talk about being stuck, when we talk about being stalled, when we talk about being stagnant, what 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 what, what we really want to hone in on tonight is that it is it is important that we keep our decisions in the forefront of our mind as you are going through life. Are you are you mindful of of your decisions? If if you really are a serious believer and you are making decisions based on what God wants for you, as opposed to what society or you or other people want for you, then the Bible says that you can be sure of one thing as you are making godly decisions. Here it is. This is this going to be the, the worst news I'm going to have for you tonight. It's, it's about to get better after this, but let's, let's, let's deal with this piece. This one thing that we can be sure of if we are making godly decisions. I hate, I hate to give you this. Um, I, really, I really hate to be the bearer of, of bad news, but, but the one decision, the one thing that we can be sure of as we are doing the right thing, the one thing that is certain when we are living the right life, doing the right thing, the one thing that is certain is persecution. You will be persecuted for doing what is right. Joseph wound up in prison for making the right decision. The wrong decision would have been to sleep with another man's wife. The right decision is what Joseph made, and it still landed Joseph in a place, in a state of persecution. 
that's that's heavy. That's heavy. That no matter how good I am, I'm still going to face persecution. No matter how well you sing, no matter how well you preach, no matter how well you pray, no matter how much you give to uh, to to your organizations and your not-for-profit ministries and to the houseless ministry and to those that are struggling with substance abuse, no matter what it is that you are, no matter the good that you're putting out into the world, if you are doing what is good, you can expect to be persecuted. If you are doing what is right, you can expect to come under attack, under siege, and and suffer. That is um that's 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 not that's not just my words tonight, but but that's even that's even the Bible. Even even the Bible says that there will be suffering. Those of us that have chosen to take up our cross, though in the manner in which Jesus has taken up his cross to carry it, that we will fall under persecution the way that Christ did as well. But I want you to know though that that persecution doesn't uh doesn't doesn't leave us. We aren't left there in a state of persecution. That's why I want you to hang on. That's that's the worst news of the night is that we will feel the state of suffering. We will feel it. That's going to come in all different types of shapes, sizes, people, forms. It's it's going to have all type of negative connotations especially for those that live by faith. But what I want you to know, though, is if you're feeling like you're in a state of suffering, if you're feeling like you're in a state of being stuck, stalled, and stagnant, maybe it has nothing to do with what you're doing wrong. But maybe you're feeling the weight of suffering because you of everything that you're doing is right. Yeah, you're you're in the right ballpark. You're in the right place. You're doing the right thing. You have the right heart. You have the right motives. You are feeling what you're feeling, not for being in the wrong place, but but for doing for doing what is right. For doing what is right. And in fact, when you know that what you're doing is right, you 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 also have to to remember and rely that um you whenever you're feeling the the negative repercussions of doing what is right then 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 you know you know you live in the right life as a christian when um you you maybe should worry when when they when they're no longer talking about you you maybe should worry when 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 they no longer are dragging you but as long as you're doing what is right you can expect to see feel and sense from making godly decisions you you'll begin to sense the negative enemy that's that's also riding your back that's a clear indicator that i'm doing what is right because I, I, I'm under attack. I'm doing what is right because I'm feeling the weight of this thing. The Bible clearly says that those who make their choices based on faith will be persecuted. That's that's just what it is. That's just what it is. Uh, that's just what it is. In fact, there's a scripture I want to share with you, uh, and it is Romans 8, Romans 8, Romans 8, verses 17, just one verse. And it says, uh, and my dear children uh, who are also heirs of God, heirs with Christ, if indeed 
you will suffer, but with him, you will also be glorified with him. So with Christ, you will suffer, but in glorification, you will also be glorified. It's Philippians chapter three, verses 10, that puts it like this, that the goal is to know God and the resurrection uh, and the fellowship of his sufferings. So that the only way to know a thing is to be in a thing. The only way to know God is to be in with God. The only way to know Christ is to is to be in relationship with Christ. And you can't be in a relationship with the person uh, and you not feel what they feel. You can't be in relationship with the person and you not rejoice when they rejoice. You can't be in relationship and covenant with the person and you not hurt when they hurt. And so part of our persecution, part of the struggle, part of the pain that we must experience for being Christians it, it comes along with the territory of being called along with Christ. Wasn't it Daniel that was thrown into the lion's den because he wouldn't compromise on, on, on his job? Wasn't it Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego that were thrown into the fiery furnace because they were relentless in their pursuit of, of Christ and refused to bow down to a foreign God? You can expect to be persecuted for doing what is right. The good news is, although the persecution comes, here's the great thing. Um, there is great power that comes after the persecution. Yeah, think about Daniel who walked out of the lion's den without being devoured by the lion. Think about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego that walked out and didn't even look like they had been through what they had been through. Yeah, they had been through it. Oh, but there was no evidence. They they hadn't aged a day. They There wasn't even any sort of soot or gray hair or residue or burn marks from going through what looked like a, a hell of a situation. And so, yes, we will suffer. Yes, we will be persecuted. Yes, there will be moments where our backs are up against the wall and everybody doesn't uh, find us favorable. But understand that God is with you in the suffering because God is going to bring you to a place of survival. Let me let me give you this. God God operates and moves in such a way because God is just full of surprises. Yeah, we've got a savior that's full of surprises. A savior full of of surprises. Uh it is Genesis chapter 2 verses, excuse me, Genesis chapter 22 verses 13 where the word of the lord it says that abraham then looked up and saw a male sheep there were some horns that were caught in a bush and so abraham went and got this sheep and killed the sheep and abraham offered this sheep as a burnt offering to god and abraham's son was saved quick parable to this story, but Abraham was headed to go sacrifice his son, Isaac. Yeah, he was about to go slaughter his son because those were the instructions that Abraham heard God speak to him. But on his way to the mountain to kill his son, Abraham spots a surprise visitor. The surprise visitor over was a ram in the bush. I want you to know that God, even though you may be suffering, that God is a God that is full of surprises, even in what you feel like you are suffering in. I don't know who needs to hear this. I don't know who this is for, but maybe you're at the state of suffering. Maybe you're at the state of feeling stalled. Maybe you're at the state of feeling stuck, but you cannot stay with the S of stall. You cannot stay in the S of stuck. 
You cannot stay in the S of stagnation for the Savior is full with the S of surprises. God will show up with a ram in the bush. God will show up in the midst of your stuckness. God will show up in the midst of your stalledness. God will show up in the midst of your instability and will show up with a ram in the bush because God is a God. God is a God. God is a God of surprises. Joseph sat in jail for two years, hoping now that someone would remember him. Maybe it would be the king. Maybe it would be Potiphar. Maybe Potiphar's wife would come and, and would recant her story about how she lied with these false charges on Abraham. Maybe it would be the cupbearer that would remember Joseph sat in jail for something that he did not do. He suffered for two years for something that he was innocent of for two years. But God, God sent the surprise. Where are you at in your life where maybe you have felt forgotten like Joseph? They, they brought me here and they just left me. Maybe where you've been feeling overlooked, you have been feeling forgotten, skipped over by God. Have you been praying for something? Have you been waiting for something? Have you been hoping for something? And it seems like God's hand of intervention, where it seems like God's hand of deliverance still has come short of you, still hasn't reached you yet. Maybe you're feeling stuck. You're feeling trapped. That's that's what this entire series is about over these next few weeks is what do we do when we feel stuck, when we feel stalled? I want you to see what God did with Joseph. While Joseph sat another day in jail, the Bible says in Genesis chapter 41, verse 9, that it was a cupbearer. And this cupbearer said to Pharaoh that today I remembered something I had promised to do. I had forgotten about it till now, says the cupbearer. But I remembered it today. Joseph sat there for two years, forgotten. But one day the cupbearer remembered him. Joseph sat in jail for two years, struggling, suffering, in a dark, cold, wet, lonely pit. But the cupbearer, gave a testimony to Pharaoh that all these years I had forgotten, but today I remember. Some people may call that luck. Some people may call that meeting with Pharaoh and the cupbearer happenstance. They may call it just a coincidence. Some may call it fate. But as a believer in God, I want you to know that God keeps his promise. None of those words need to be in your vocab vocabulary. God isn't a God of happenstance. God isn't a God of fate. God isn't a God of coincidence. God is a God of power. And God is a God of providence. And God is a God of promise keeping. God made some promises to Joseph. While it took two years for the promise by man to be recalled and remembered, it was never forgotten by God. 
It was God who set up the situation so that the cupbearer could remember Joseph from prison. Here it is now that God had begun to orchestrate and recall back to the cupbearer's remembrance. Some former promises and conversations that had taken place. God then intervenes with his sovereignty and brings back to the remembrance of man, brings back to the remembrance of the cupbearer, that which that had been forgotten has now been remembered. I want you to know that maybe you've been feeling stuck. Maybe you've been feeling stalled. Maybe you've been feeling stagnant. But I want you to know if you don't remember any other word, I know I've been throwing out a lot of S's tonight, stuck, stalled, stagnant, sovereign. But I want you to know tonight that if you don't remember any other word tonight, I want you to remember the word suddenly. The cupbearer had forgotten for years, but then he remembered suddenly. Suddenly happens when God surprises you. Suddenly happens when the Savior shows up out of nowhere and saves you. Suddenly happens when, when, when God shows up and delivers and speaks a promise, releases you. You didn't see it coming. It wasn't planned. You couldn't have even orchestrated it and created it yourself. You thought you were stuck, but then came suddenly. You thought you were stagnant, but then came suddenly. You thought it was over, but then came suddenly. I want to leave you with this tonight, and we're just out of time. I want you to know that God can work it out, and God can do it suddenly. God can do it suddenly. I, I can recall a time growing up as a kid. Um, I remember uh, my mom put me in boxing. And one of the things that I really enjoyed about boxing was boxing allowed me to, uh, I would hit this punching bag, this punching bag, it was weighted at the bottom and it was just air at the top. And I would punch the punching bag and I punched the punching bag and the punching bag would come right back up. I'm wearing the punching bag out. I'm wearing the punching bag out. One, one, two, left, right. I'm, I'm hitting it. I'm jabbing it. All of these things on this punching bag and the punching bag would continue to bounce right back. It would keep coming back because the weight at the bottom was heavier than the air at the top. No matter what I did to this punching bag at the top, down below really determined how things would wind up. That that thing would would bounce right back. It would bounce right back. It would bounce. It would bounce right back. I want to leave you with this tonight. I know that in life you have encountered detours. I know that throughout your life you have encountered moments where you feel stuck. Even right now, as I'm speaking in this moment in your life, you feel stuck, you feel stalled, you feel stagnant. But I want you to know that you have proof that God will do it because what you're hitting, oh, listen, listen, it's weighted. Listen, what has been trying to take you out? You've got, you've got some weight at the bottom. What's been trying to take the wind beneath your feet? You've got some weight at the bottom. The enemy's been trying to take its best blow to knock you down. But like that punching bag, you're going to continue to bounce right back up. Will you let God work it out? God may not come when you want him. God may not have come in the moment. God may not have come in the instance, but God can work it out. And when God does it, God's going to do it. God's going to do it suddenly. 
God's going to do it suddenly. Listen, we're out of time. I love you. Continue to be encouraged and know that God is working, moving, shaping, and shifting some things in your life through your stuckness, through your stall, and through your stagnation. Be encouraged. Don't give up the fight. Keep your fortitude. Keep your faith. God is not finished with you yet. God's going to do it. And God's going to do it suddenly. Until next week, I love you. Set some stuff on fire.